The Del Mar Fall Meet starts this weekend. We're really excited about it here at the In The Money Media Network. 13 racing days, 15 stakes from Friday, November 11th to Sunday, December 4th. Contest action happening out there. You can read about that at dmtc.com. Back this year also, the Ship and Win program, which features a guaranteed $3,000 check for any qualified starter who last ran out of state in their first Ship and Win start, including stakes races. These purse bonuses will also extend to a horse that made its initial Ship and Win start at the Santa Anita Autumn Meet. Additionally, a 30% bonus will be applied to a qualified horse's purse earnings for every start during the Del Mar Fall Meet. Do not miss out on all the action at Del Mar this fall. Whether you're a horseman or a better, opportunities abound. Learn more at dmtc.com. Hello and welcome to the In The Money Players podcast. This is our show for Tuesday, November 8th, Breeders' Cup Recap Edition. Peter Thomas Fornital back with you in the Brooklyn Bunker once again. Happy to be joined by two people I had the pleasure of spending an awful lot of time with last week. And you even saw us together if you were paying attention to what was going on on the In The Money Media Network. We'll start off with uh, the usual co-host of this program, Jonathan Kinchin. JK, what's up? Um, I'm, I'm the second most important person, uh, that works for, for in the money media, which is, 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 uh, is okay with me. Yeah. I mean, you were never ahead of, you were never ahead of oh me. My God. About, Can you believe- in, two, oh. in 2014, you were ahead of me when, before you plucked me from obscurity and then I've been running past you like crazy. And then Drew just snapped me at the wire. So not a big deal. Hey, I set the pace and you get extra credit <laughs> for that in the time form us algorithm. Um, that's amazing. Yeah, how about that, Drew Coatney, BCBC champ? You seriously, I'm 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 proud of him. That was some amazing stuff we saw out there. Couldn't be more proud of him. And um, I had to give him a, I had to give him a talk today. Production meeting in the middle of the show. He called me. <laughs> uh, I said, Drew, stay out of the comments. I guess some troll who lived in his mom's basement was saying <laughs> like, all oh, contests are for the elite. No, they're for people who don't live in their mom's basement. <laughs> and Drew is not some elite human being that $100,000 means nothing to him. He's just better than you, so get over it. Yeah. <laughs> you, hear, you hear our other guest, who I'm going to get to a host fail status soon if I don't introduce it. Just That was too interesting of a curveball JK sent me. We also bring in a part of the In The Money media team last week, part of the Sky Sports Racing team, and uh, just generally speaking, wonderful company and, and very sharp human. Vanessa Ryle. Vanessa, what's going on? That's a sharp human. I like it. Goodness <laughs> me. I'll roll with that. Might add that to my Twitter bio. <laughs> I have been called a sharp human. Um, all is good, Peter. I'm back home post a wonderful week at the Breeders' Cup, courtesy of you guys. So it's great to be on this show with you. And as a side note for Drew, I mean, not only did he win the whole betting competition, but on top of that, he was a brilliant taxi driver, wasn't he? He gave me a little bit <laughs> of races, excellent behind the wheel, excellent backing horses. I mean, honestly, what a win that was for him. Got to when drive you- me around and won the betting competition. When he reflects years from now on what the bigger accomplishment was on the day, I think, you know, potentially being your your taxi driver might even eclipse the BCBC. What do you think? 
I, I think, you know, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, if I taught him a few new things in that car. So, you know, like he, he went forward with that and he did ask me who was going to win the turf mile and I did tell him modern games. So we'll an take that. Bet. An important yeah. bet for sure. No, he seriously was very grateful to bo- about both of your contributions. But he also, <laughs> he hit me with some rhyming slang today, Vanessa, that was surely copped from you when he talked about uh, feeling feeling like Billy Idol. I'll let you explain that one. <laughs> This is in the car journey, the random car journey, pre him, pre the Saturday, this was the Friday night. I can't remember why we were discussing it, but we were talking about um, just British accents. And of course, I am terribly British, but <laughs> I, if you hadn't noticed already, but um, I, we also sort of went into Cockney rhyming slang anyway. When you say to someone that they're Billy Idol, it means they're off the bridle. So it means they're like knackered, off the bridle, drunk too much, eating too much. You know, all the things that mean that you lose the day, you lose a race. You're Billy Idol. So like I was Billy Idol yesterday after my flight, basically. And poor Drew was a bit Billy Idol on Sunday, I believe. Oh, my goodness. He's still he's still claiming it. That's, you know, JK, not something that you can relate to. You're You're always up for it. No, nah, look, you know how it goes. I, I don't leave my house for like two days after the Breeders' Cup because I don't. I'm 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 44 and change the entire week, and <laughs> and uh, I'm 44 and change. I mean, we, they turned the lights off at Jeff Ruby. That's how late I left the other night, and <laughs> and and uh, and so yeah, it just takes a couple. I've had soup. Joe Benita and I have had soup for three consecutive meals in a row now. That's 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 what we're trying to do with ourselves. I'm detoxing myself. Well, I, that's so funny. I've been on the juice as well since I got back. The old <laughs> vegetable juice has been going through me. Trust me. I just feel like a whole, I feel like a 10 ton Tessa over here. But anyway, let's talk about the racing. I think that's a good idea, though. You did give me one more thing that I'll spitball and throw in there as a YouTube video idea for, for next uh, next year. Top five uh, Breeders' Cup, post-Breeders' Cup detox moves. But let's, <laughs> let's go back to where it all began, team. And we're going to go, we're going to try to go a little more rapid fire than we sometimes do on, on these shows because we've got let's so much it. more content out there, so much more coming up. But obviously, we also can't give short shrift to some of the best races of the year. It kicked off on Friday um, as part of the, uh, the, the invading domination in the turf races with uh, Charlie Appleby drawing first blood with Mischief Magic in the juvenile turf sprint a race where the Mr. Magic just got a, a beautiful setup and William Buick who had such a big weekend overall, you know, I feel like in, in many ways this set the stage. What did you think of this result, Vanessa? Yeah. I mean, he wasn't my Appleby two-year-old, as you know, that sort of going into the meeting was silver knot, but this performance, I, I was really impressed with him. You know, the race did not go perfectly for him uh, just from the start, the traffic he met and where he had to come from. It wasn't an, it wasn't the perfect trip round and he still managed to win going away. Um, it was an excellent ride by William Buick. And as you've touched upon, really sort of did set the stage for what was to come. I think you should give special credit to Dramatise back in second place. She ran an absolute blinder under Ryan Moore. Again, two jockeys there coming over from Europe, William Buick, Ryan Moore, know how to ride. They've really got a handle on how to ride over here in America now. They've both had plenty of years of experience, and I really thought that we saw that come to the fore in the in the races we're going to come to talk about in due course. But Dramatise ran a belter and Mischief Magic, just another one for the Apple be top class record jk you were so right about love reigns my pick um or one of my my like second pick i should say i actually got this one right with mischief magic 
Um, but I had Love Reigns in the mix. You were against Love Reigns. You were for Speedboat Beach. Did you get, you make this a habit sometimes of being right and wrong and simultaneously? Yeah, well, a couple of things. First, I need to know if I if, if I beat you in the head to head, we did it at Mirror Twin. So Ooh. we got to look that up because I'm very curious. Okay, I'll, I'll um, take care of that. The first, the second thing is, is through these races we go through, a lot of what I'm going to talk about is is the lessons I learned and who I want to bet out of these races. And we, we don't need to go for me. I don't need to go over the top about these champions. They're going to get their um, they're going to get their due. What I learned from this race is that. Uh, this is an outlier for me. We just didn't have a quality speed horse like we typically do. I tried to make that speedboat beach. It wasn't love reigns. It wasn't sharp as attack and it just fell apart. And I'm still going to stick to, to my guns when it comes to these turf sprints that the euros are at a bit of a disadvantage. If we have the right horse and I tried to find the right horse, that was my mistake. Um, Mischief magic, dramatized private creed, Persian for, uh, force. These are all horses that the way they ran, uh, it's not my style of turf sprint horses that I find. I just made the mistake of, of thinking that Speedboat Boat Beach was something that he wasn't. We could move on. I do just want to quickly say, for me anyway, the Platinum Queen really doesn't lose anything in defeat. Had that difficult post. I think that was her undoing and, you know, very excited to see what comes from her. Do you have a quick word on the Platinum Queen, Vanessa, before we progress? Well, just just end of a long season for her. You know, I think I, she's not, she doesn't, if you're thinking about lessons to take out of this, then for sure, do not lose hope with her. She still retains a hell of a lot of ability and she's not just a two-year-old in inverted commas. She will train on to next year. You see that in her physically. So there's loads to look forward to for her connections for next year. Just one of those things, end of a long season. Horrendous draw, end of a long season. Very fast pace as well in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies, a race won by Wonder Wheel, who, who came from far back to get the job done. Um, I thought you could make cases to take uh, Leave No Trace out, who attended that hot pace, uh, made the lead, and, and just got you know got fairly easily run down late, if truth be told. But given the difference in, in trips, you know, to my ability, I ran about as well as the winner. And, and Raging Sea, coming from a, a very difficult uh, spot, I thought also deserves a little bit of extra credit here. What did you think of this result, JK? I mean, I don't think we saw our Kentucky Oaks winner. Um, and I think that's the exciting thing about these races is that you're, you know, you, once they're over, you're looking forward to see who's going to go on and possibly be that champion three-year-old, that nest as it were. And I, you know, look, I wonder, we all got a nice setup. She got a brilliant ride by Tyler. No Mark Cassie was high on her throughout her entire career, her, her brief career just saying that, you know, this is the best two-year-old he's had since Classic Empire and in uh, and, and War of Will, which I think made a lot of people giggle after some of her performances. But, you know, she showed up here and she won. Uh, like I said, I won't be cutting in line to bet any of these horses like in the Kentucky Oaks future or anything like that. And I guess the big surprise is the Chocolate Gelato and Chop Chop. Uh, Chocolate Gelato, who had probably the best race as a two-year-old filly throughout this year, and Chop Chop, who was taking money like the horse couldn't lose. Uh, they both ran pretty poorly. Vanessa, I know you were uh, back and forth on chocolate ice cream, a.k.a. gelato, throughout the week. For for me, I was going to be pretty for forgiving given the, the, the bump at the break and just, you know, then the middle move and then and, and then flattening out. Did, did you am I making too many excuses for her? Oh, no, look, I it. I completely can believe those excuses for her for sure. And at this at this stage for these horses, I'm I'm very forgiving in these sort of races. I think, you know, it's it's a big day. Um 
you get lots of crossover form and things can go wrong and that's it. It's race done with. And I'm not one that's going to hold this against some of these horses going forward. But the one thing I would say is, you know, we sat on that preview night and the one thing I was sure about is that I wanted to take chocolate gelato on. You know, we spoke about that, didn't we, um, Beta? And I didn't know what horse with these dirt races are not my expertise, but it was definitely a learning curve for me doing my prep for the Breeders' Cup, watching back some of these races with really fresh, non-biased eyes. When you're doing a form study, you can get, and obviously this happens to me all the time, you get drawn in to pre, you know, you've heard about horses, you've heard quotes on them, you've seen their races, you've backed them and won money, lost money, whatever it might be. And it means that by the time you get to a championship like this, you kind of have um, some biases in your mind, positive or negative towards horses. Whereas with the dirt races, I came in with as fresh a pair of eyes as I think you can have. And it was just really interesting watching how you watch back some of their races. You're doing your forms, then you're looking at the numbers and then you decide who you want to take on. This is one of the horses I got right. I got plenty wrong. But um, that was one of my big takeaways is trying to have a clearer head as possible when you're coming into these championship races, when you're doing your form study. It only makes sense. It's sometimes very hard to overcome those uh, those biases that that uh, come along as you just are a fan of the game. Um, the yeah. race I'm really looking forward to talking to just because I get to make fun of you, Vanessa, because on our video out at Maker's Mark, as I'm making my case for Meditate, I, I don't know, you must have had an extra whiskey or something because you just interrupt me in the middle to tell me what a cliche I am picking the, the hot Aiden O'Brien uh, runner at the Breeders' Cup. And then Meditate goes and uh, gallops all over him in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Philly turf, earning a, a 110 on the time form U.S. Uh, scale. A very, very nice effort all, all in all. Even you must be impressed. Oh, huge performance in fairness. And I'm happy to eat a massive slice of humble pie with this one. Um, don't you worry. I'm happy. And look, like I gave you a home goal. You could easily have taken the piss out of me and some of my dirt selections for being a bit of a cliche. So, um, <laughs> but look, no, uh, this was one of the before this, I think probably was the juvenile performance for me of the, of the Friday. She was, she was brilliant. I mean, how can you not think she was brilliant? Just ever, the way she went through the gears, the way she moved up on the outside, the way she quickened away. I mean, she was super impressive. And there's a couple of other horses to take out of it other than her. But, I mean, all eyes on her. But Midnight Mile for Richard Farr, he ran an absolute belter of a race. You know, she didn't get the run of it. She was quite slowly away. She then, you know, she was never nearer than she was at the finish. She ran on really well under pressure. She's also coming here, had so little experience compared to the winner. Um, but she took it all in her stride. She'll have learned plenty. And she went off huge price on debut, huge price when she won the group race at Newmarket. She'll never be that sort of price again. You know, she's next season. She's a filly to really look forward to. A couple of other disappointments in there, but the favourite, um, yeah, juvenile performance of the Friday for me. JK, what did you think of Meditate and any others in here you're looking forward to seeing run next year in particular? Yeah, I mean, she was impressive. You know, uh, it was, it's, it's, it's funny in these championship races at the eighth pole, you typically don't know who's going to win uh, unless it's the Breeders' Cup Classic. But um, you knew that at the eighth we'll pole, Meditate, yeah, you knew that she was going to win. And and it, it's one of those deals you just kind of feel silly. Like, you know, I, I made this case for all the, the U.S. Phillies and, and how they seem to be a little bit of a cut above the rest of, uh, you know, these other groups that we might have sent out before, although we've had a bunch of winners. And, and look, Pleasant Passage ran well enough, and that was part – she was one that I thought was, was, was good enough to win, but Meditate was just better than them. And it's it just – you feel silly. When, when the Europeans – 
when Aiden O'Brien or Charlie Appleby win one of these grass races and you've used more than one or two horses, you just kind of feel dumb at the end. Like, what was I doing? <laughs> why, why did I waste any time and energy uh, trying to do something else? But no, it was, it was, uh, she was impressive. I, I think there's still a good horse in there for us, whether it's free look or pleasant passage or, or even delight or be your best. Uh, I feel like there's still a good horse in there. We'll see what happens in their three-year-old years. Race number nine, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. You, you mentioned getting to feel silly. Well, I certainly did uh, this time around. I was all about Cave Rock after seeing how terrific he looked in the mornings. And and for a while there, it looked like everything was going according to the script. Forte for Todd Pletcher had other ideas and ran down uh, Cave Rock, maybe with even a little something up his sleeve in the end. 117, a very solid number on the time form U.S. scale in, in what was a, uh, it's not coded red, but I mean, it was a, it was a on the on the quick side of average, if that's a thing. How good is Forte? Do you have an excuse for Cave Rock, Jonathan? I mean, Forte is obviously good. Uh, you know, he continues to win. I thought it was a brilliant ride by Irad, um, which we, we see, it feels like, in every one of these kind of big meets that we have, whether it's a Breeders' Cup or, or, or you know, Belmont or, or Derby, Irad typically shows up with something pretty impressive, and he did that here um today um you know obviously i was extremely high on cave rock my my breeders cut betting challenge all in on, on cave rock ended right here i mean he regressed and baffert's horses don't always do that he, he ran you know 10 points ish slower um i thought juan hernandez was was aggressive away from there i would never want him to have done anything different if he's the horse i thought he was but i think maybe he was just a taste he need, there's a decision to be made. Not quite sure what it was. I talked to a couple of like other riders, not like current riders, but other riders who thought maybe he should have either gone on or taken back. He just kind of got stuck in no man's land and stared that other horse in the eye for, for an eighth of a mile. And I think maybe that's what kind of cost him at the end, but it wasn't really close enough to use that as a huge excuse. He just didn't fire. Interestingly, on the time form U.S. algorithm, on the raw speed figure, obviously Forte, two points ahead of Cave Rock. But on the adjusted for the algorithm, which does, as I was joking about before, reward the early pace horses, especially on dirt. uh, Cave Rock actually comes back a 119 to Forte's 117. I'm not sure if I really buy that in terms of ability, but it's interesting little data point. What did you make of this race, Vanessa? Any thoughts on, on the BC Juvenile? Well, this is your opportunity to have ripped the piss out of me for being going with the cliche and the obvious. Like, I literally rocked up to our preview night and it said Cave Rock just purely because of Bob Baffert, uh, these impressive performances prior to this, and then the word on the street, quite literally. I was just like the ultimate cliche. But when I landed in Lexington, I went Monday, Tuesday, no, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday to the to the mornings. And I'd say three, four, five people each morning spoke to me about Cave Rock. I mean, literally, I couldn't like get away from this Cave Rock. Um, And so I think there would have been a lot of disappointed people, essentially. I think that's exactly how it uh, how it played out. But thrilled for Forte and connections there. And, you know, that really seems like a horse that's uh, probably bound to to train on. So we'll see. Obviously, lots to talk about about these two-year-olds and and uh, everything as we go forward and start the run up to the Kentucky Derby sooner rather than later. But more Breeders' Cup action on this show. Next up being the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. There were two horses from overseas. They ran one-two, but maybe not in the order that uh, everybody thought going in, uh, Vanessa. 
<laughs> uh, no, definitely not in the order many thought or hoped going in. Victoria Road for Aidan O'Brien out battling Sylvanot, outstaying Sylvanot, um, who was the seven to five favourite in the end for the Charlie Appleby team. Classic sort of Coolmore versus Godolphin uh, uh, on the world stage. That sort of narrative continues to ring true. And we saw that play out during Keeneland over the last weekend. But as for this race in particular, you know, I honestly thought Silvernot had everything he needed to win this. Uh, but he was slowly away and he was probably a touch too keen. And then he got outstayed by Victoria Road, who even now, if you wound back the clock, I still wouldn't be tipping Victoria Road over Silvernot. You know, for me, I just didn't feel that Victoria Road would have had the gears to go around here in the way that he did. But it was really a staying power at the end of the race that won him it, obviously. Um, he really wasn't for me. I, I'd written him off coming into this. So he made a fool of me. And he's another one who's had a long season. You know, he's had a, he, they haven't been shy of running them as Aiden is never is shy of running his two year olds. He took a while to get off the mark. He's been relentless. You know, he's been run with regularity abroad and at home. And he travelled here. He must have a huge constitution, this horse, Victoria Road, just to take racing and, you know, never to take a step backwards. And of course, a first group or grade one winner for the Sire Saxon Warrior, who's very important to the Coolmore operation, being by Deep Impact and that Lair as well. So it was a really important win for the team. And you kind of felt that in the moment as well. But there was a lot of disappointment about Silvernot. I think if he'd been quicker away, that obviously would have helped him. But ultimately, he was outstayed at the line. If you asked me which one of those horses was more likely to break slow, I'd have said almost 10 out of 10, Victoria Road. And this brings up an interesting point about um, the, the O'Brien uh, training job and team and how amazingly they did. And it did seem... Like, well, it didn't seem like they got in earlier than I'm used to seeing them. I wonder if that didn't pay dividends. And I wonder if they didn't, if there wasn't some adjustment made somewhere along the line to training in the gates, because you didn't see, I mean, I feel like every O'Brien horse I've seen in not every, but you know, four out of five, it seems like, or at least, you know, off slow half a length over the last five years, maybe longer in the USA. And that just wasn't the case here. And I, I think that allowed a, a grindier runner you, uh, like Victoria Road to have more of an impact here, especially with the theoretically faster horse uh, missing the kick a little bit. What did you think of this one, JK? What ultimately was your approach or were you just too busy licking your wounds from, from Cave Rock to worry too much about it? <laughs> no, I, I created a new wound because I bet Silver not to win um, in, in real life. Um, I mean, here, here's what I'll say, and, and, and we'll go through this quickly. Uh, I think you guys are being too hard on yourselves for your opinion of Silver Knot versus Victoria Road. I've watched a lot of left-handed, two-turn turf races in my life, and I am confident, very, very confident that Silver Knot was so much the best. Now, okay. when the, the a lot of times, Pete, we talk about this very often, and we talked about it, I think, this summer with Dolce Zell in that race at Saratoga. When one horse stays inside and gets stopped while the other horse is wide and loses yep. ground, there's an, a very easy argument to be made, and sane people can disagree, that one of them had a better trip. One of them was saving ground, one of them was losing ground, so on and so forth. Excuse me. <clears throat> I'm a huge believer, though, in, in momentum. And Victoria Road was getting the same inside trip on the far turn that Silver Knot was. Silver Knot was right in behind. Victoria Road tipped out, two-path, didn't get stopped, and got a full quarter of a mile run without being stopped 
full quarter of a mile run with momentum and able to use some of that stamina, so on and so forth. Silver Knot never got set down until they got inside the eighth pole. He kept, you know, William kept trying to get through there, but he just, he was there. He wasn't checking and standing up and doing all that stuff that a lot of people try to do to get taken down or get someone else taken down. He just couldn't go through there. And once he finally got through, exploded, made the lead, but that momentum that Victoria Road already had carried Victoria Road to the to the wire. I, I feel extremely confident Silver Knot was best in there. And if they ran, if they got in the gate again, I would make the exact same wagers I made on Silver Knot. I mean, it's a compelling case. A couple of shout-outs to friends, too, whose horses ran huge in this race. Nazarok for a team that includes our own uh, uh, Billy Koch of Little Red Feather. And, you know, he was bred – do you remember the guy who used to sit next to Mike in the green room, Gary uh, Shervenel, who we hung out with and did like went and visited his mares a few years ago out in Lexington? He bred that horse. Did you know oh, that? Oh wow! Yes, I, I didn't. I know exactly what you're talking about, but no, I didn't know that. Great guy. Great, great to see their success. And then the BBN team also, who we're, we're pals with, doing doing a, a fine job with with most stash friends of the show to say the least back and forth but everybody's a friend of the show i don't mean to single anybody out all right let's talk about breeders cup saturday starting in the philly and mare sprint um good night olive was what many of us thought she was i would have to say i thought this was really nice made the move into the fast part of the race and you know just looked better than this field in my opinion jk were you as impressed as i was with good night olive comes back a 121 on the time form ability scale yeah, this is one of those time saver races. I mean, you know, <laughs> Good Night Olive was really good. I think she was the most likely one in the race. She ran well. Happy to see Echo Zulu run well. And I think Steve Asmussen deserves some credit with the with the decision to have the quick turnaround with Wicked Halo, who also ran extremely well. I thought it was a very formful-ish race. I guess the one disappointment was obligatory. A little bit further back, uh, I thought she would have picked up a few more in there. But uh, no, Good Night Olive was really good. I think she'll have a good a good next year as well. Anything to add, Vanessa, or should we speed round to the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint? Nah, I told you beforehand, this race blew my mind a bit beforehand. <laughs> and uh, same, I mean, not really the same afterwards, And but nothing else to add now. <laughs> it it feels like the story of the Breeders' Cup Sprint is is who didn't show up. No offense to Caravelle, it's an amazing story. And, uh, you know, wild to see, to see her uh, win pretty impressively in wire-to-wire fashion, no less. But I mean... If how many guesses would it have taken you, JK, if I told you there was a wire to wire winner of the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint and it wasn't Golden Pal? I mean, not a. I mean, this is a this is a, a sickening result for me. Just the one that kind of keeps you staring at the screen. Uh, I'll be quick with this story, but most people don't know. Jake Ballas tried to buy Caravelle um, after she had had those fast races at Monmouth last summer, and he couldn't get the deal done. And Bobby Flay bought the horse. And part of Bobby's way of getting the horse was to keep the horse with um, Graham Motion. So the prior connections, Mer- Merriman, Elizabeth Merriman, could still see Caravelle every day. She didn't run that great for Bobby. But I remember on the Fox show, I said, she's going to win the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint. Last year. Really? Last year. <laughs> Last year I said oh that. God. That's right. And I'm then, remembering this now. You said it on our shows too. Oh. I had completely blocked that out. So then she didn't. And, and then this year at Saratoga, I singled her when she was four to one. So, that, I mean, I love this horse. I singled her when she was four to one. And I just didn't think she could win this race. One of the owners, uh, Mark the Temple, texted me and said, hey, do you think uh, my four runners, do you think any of them could win? And I texted him, um, I guess Caravelle if Golden Pal doesn't show up. And I don't have a penny on her, not one penny. 
Just, do you still question for you, JK? Question for you, JK. Do you still love Caravel, or is that another wound to add to the no, I, I, right now? I never get mad at our four-legged friends for my stupidity. Oh. <laughs> That's a great attitude that not enough people share, by the way. Yeah, good on you. Good on you. Um, we had a, a, a very compelling case on the show from Nick Luck about how well Emirati Anna was going to run. And I, I don't want him to get his head too big because he did criticize Nick Tamaro for making the, the, the line, which I think was 20, too short. Well, Nick nailed the line, 21 to 1. I mean, Emirati Anna does everything but win. It's hard to imagine if they're, you know, if anything goes wrong for Caravel Emirati Anna. Or create a force, I suppose you could make a, a, a compelling case for as well. This was a race. Um, I mean, you could you could tell some stories about these horses who finished in behind Caravel. It was just so surprising um, after the first couple of furlongs that uh, yeah, it was a bit of a, as you said before, Vanessa, mind blower for me. What other than Caravel? What's the story for you coming out of this one? Um, well, I mean, the fact that it's the only race that the Europeans didn't win on the turf. And then we had the second, third, fourth and sixth. So I'm kind of annoyed because I'd have loved to have been boasting about a clean sweep here. But anyway, you've been carrying a broom around the grandstand. That would have made you a lot of friends. <laughs> but I, in terms of Emirati Anna, I mean, the fact that he came here and ran so well over the Breeders' Cup last year and then has followed it up with another terrific run this year. God, I mean, good on connections, and he was definitely overlooked coming into this race. Um, Highfield Princess, I think the word was when she came back in, spoke to the owners myself. There was a bit of chat about the ground being too firm for her. Um, she probably would have liked a little bit more cut in it, which you can understand looking back at you know how she runs the races and where she's performed to best effect. Um, they are talking about keeping her in training, where she might go next year, and you know, still a huge amount of excitement around her. She ran with plenty of credit, but um, I actually, on a side note as well, really wasn't screaming for Emirati Anna in the finish because I had seen Adam Ryan out, Kevin Ryan, the trainer's son, the night was it the night before we were with him, Peter, you were with me, yeah, anyway, so I basically, I'd seen um adam ryan and i told him that i'd tell him something he's desperate to know if if she won if he won and he didn't win <laughs> so, so, can you reveal it now to the listeners though absolutely not categorically <laughs> not but he was desperate to get this thing out of me and i wasn't for telling him and as i was a few uh champagnes in i said to him look if Emirati Anna wins tomorrow, I'll tell you, okay? I'll tell you the secret then. So in the closing stages, as they crossed the line, I was like, thank God for what's that horse? Caravel. Marvellous. <laughs> <laughs> but no, to be on a serious note for the boy, for that team as well, you know, he, he wasn't joking when he said to me, well, you better watch out because he is absolutely bouncing. I think he's a horse who really appreciates the trip, as in, as in you know, getting a change of scene and going somewhere different, travelling. Um, so, you know, he's run another excellent race over here. It's just, um, I, they'll probably bring him back next year again. I would think that would be super cool to see. It would be nine. I think, is that right? But I mean, clearly thrives on the racing and, and you may have to reveal that secret after all. No, I, yeah. It's he, a multi-year deal. Yeah. It's a multi-year deal. Yeah. He'd be, he'd be seven next year. He'd be oh, seven. seven. I got that. Yeah. I don't know where I got that from. Sorry. Yeah. Synaptic so, okay. misfire. Yeah. To, to, there, there was there was probably a few too many bourbons causing me to forget that that fact. Just just <laughs> just the several years off I was there. Speaking of speaking of next year, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. We're down the hill. Fingers crossed. 
I, it feels likely, it feels likely. That's a good point though, for the, you know, very, very different. That six and a half down the hill, as we've talked about so many times can play more to, uh, to, to horses, you know, who can get a mile. Um, but we'll see. We have plenty of time to talk about that. Breeders cup dirt miles. Next up, this was the Cody wish show. One of the great Cody's wish, I should say one of the great stories of the weekend, not just because of the result on the racetrack, but because of all the, the attendant, uh, you know, real life drama behind the story of Cody's wish that really made a bit of an impact on, on the culture. I'm, I'm sure that one tugged at your heartstrings, Vanessa. Oh, well, just, I mean, how could it not? Do you know what I mean? How could it not? You know, you tip up here. You, I'd heard about the story behind Cody's wish, obviously in the build up to the Breeders' Cup, but it hadn't really hit home to me, not properly until I got to the track one of the mornings and Gabby was on TVG and interviewed Cody himself. He was there one of the mornings of the of the track work. And, you know, I think I said to you, Peter, afterwards, I did just have a moment where I just walked away and I thought, we're just so lucky. You know, we're just so lucky, that poor kid. And for this moment and this day, this horse to have brought him the joy it has clearly brought him and his family, the moments of happiness and the memories they're going to treasure forever. I don't mean to go softy on a show like this, but <laughs> you couldn't help but get taken up in yeah. the moment and, you know, just think that it was something pretty special. And actually, interestingly, coming back here and speaking to everyone about my trip, you know, my mum was watching it at home with her non-racing partner, floods of tears. You know, Kevin Blake said on the show that I do over here, the podcast I do over here, that, you know, he had watched it in Ireland. You know, everyone wrapped up in the emotion of it afterwards, you know, on the NBC coverage. And then, of course, they themselves on, on NBC were struggling to talk afterwards. It's rare you get moments like that in racing. And I think Nick summed it up on, he was on Nick Luck Daily yesterday. I don't know if you boys heard it, but he said... Um, he said, you know, I don't believe in anything extraterrestrial, but that <laughs> moment after Cody's wish had me shaking that belief a fraction because, you know, <laughs> Cyberknife on all known form should have outbattled him for the line, but Cody's wish got up. So, yeah, incredible. It was it was exciting. It was incredibly fast too, according to time. Well, incredibly is we'll we'll save incredibly for a race a little bit later. It was very fast too, coming back a, a one twenty eight on time form. Um, but I I still believe that any form angle here is overshadowed uh, by that story. And I'm going to put the over under on numbers of uh, tears shed by me and J.K. for this one. At it's probably like eight and a half. <sighs> yeah. No. I mean, look, I I. I... You know, when I see that piece, uh, I, I just it makes me think of Austin, right? Like, of course. Um, and 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 how lucky I am that um, that that Austin doesn't have to overcome and, and deal with with some of those uh, hardships. Um, you know, I'm sure Cody's a, a really happy young fella considering the circumstances, but it, it obviously tears at you a little bit. This was one of the two times I cried this weekend, which was laying in bed yesterday trying to get up, but like watching this was. <laughs> just so emotional and and i watched it the i watched the piece on twitter and then i went directly to youtube and watched the nbc coverage so you, oh. you got the whole build up and then you got the race and the reaction after the race and it was uh it was it was super super emotional for me and and um and, and such a wonderful story and another great example of what these four-legged animals do for us whether it's entertainment but also the emotional push they have and 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 as a transition and not to just skip over that, but in a lighter note, this race also brought one of the biggest laughs I had throughout uh, the weekend, which was the video 
of Junior Alvarado on Twitter making fun of Florent Giroux, showing him his muscles. Oh, <laughs> I that I'd never seen that before. Or where did that come from? I don't know. Jake, that was I yeah, it was awesome. Cried laughing at that. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, so funny. Flow, flow, such a good sport. But yeah, they, they it was an old video from back in the day. They where a horse ran off with Flow and Junior got the weights out and was making fun of him, and then they had a little re- reenactment of it this time around. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, it's 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 just a great example of the emotion this game can can bring in, in both directions. Breeders' Cup filly and mare turf in Italian uh, goes out, sets this un, well, slightly unsustainably fast pace. I'm going to say into the wind. I wasn't necessarily seeing it from the from the raw fractions, but when you look at the pace figures, um, I think the combination of having the rabbit in there and and the draw, uh, she she lit out too fast Tuesday. Very very good runs her down with good quality late. But looking at pace figures in this one, for me, an Italian was was probably best, as impressive as Tuesday was. Do you think that's a reasonable opinion to have, JK? Um, yeah, you're a little mute there. Yeah, um, yeah look, I, I, she was awesome. Um, both of them were, to be fair. Uh, Sean Borman was really high on Tuesday. I remember he, he sat down, you know, when I, when I got in town, and, and this is one of the horses he was highest on. And, um, and, 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 in Italian was one that I absolutely loved. I just, I love horses like this that can go out there and kind of lay it down, especially on the grass. I think it's such a, a big edge. And my biggest takeaway here is um, it was one of my favorite races. It was, it was kind of the most formful, true races. They both ran huge and Italian obviously ran big. And what I want to take out of this is in Italian is going to be nasty next year. Now they know what to do with her. She's going to be a little bit more mature, a little bit older. Joel knows exactly what he's got underneath him. I, I predict she'll win three grade ones next year and be the uh, older turf champion, uh, Philly, oh, Philly and Mayor turf champion next year. It's I, I see where you're coming from. This was a, this was a, a massive effort on top of several others and, and a step forward in terms of uh, the time form adjusted figure as well. Vanessa, when you hear us talking about this and trying to make a case that in Italian was better, or at least me trying to make a case that in Italian may have even been better than Tuesday, do you bristle? I mean, it's not the way you guys typically look at the world. No, no, I I definitely don't bristle. I definitely don't bristle. I can see exactly what you're saying about her bold shout with the prediction of three grade ones for, for next season. But I, I can completely see why she is the, one of the big takeaways from the race in behind the winner, if you're looking away from the obvious, for absolutely sure. Um, in terms of some of the disappointments, Nashua being the obvious one, finished in fourth. Um, you know, again, she's another one for the didn't quite, the start didn't go perfectly for her. And then I think she got quite lit up. You know, once she was hurried up in to get her position, she was then a bit too keen. She's done that a fraction before, but you know, I think the whole event, I would say, is one of the European horses. Um, I think we spoke about it in the week, Peter, but you know, she was the one for me that wasn't maybe taking the trip quite as well as they would have liked her. They were all very positive about her, but just you know, you see her out on the track and she was quite lit up when I'd seen her in the mornings with various bits and pieces of work they were doing with her. And you know, in the race itself, yeah, it just didn't go perfectly for her. She probably did well to get out into the clear and finish where she did in fourth, grab that bit of prize money. Um, but she was ultimately a disappointment, as was above the curve, who we feared wouldn't handle the track. I'm not even sure if that was to blame for her disappointing run, but she was a big disappointment in here for me. But um, those were just a couple of the takeaways. But yeah, I can see the big positive and the, the upside of in Italian after that race for sure. Race seven was the Breeders' Cup sprint. 
Upset here, Jackie's Warrior goes down at 3-5. to five. Elite Power gets the money. Another winner for Bill Mott, who was just absolutely flying at the weekend. Uh, Elite Power ended up getting a good setup that a lot of us didn't think was going to be forthcoming. I, I thought Jackie's Warrior would be able to dominate on the front end. In the end, it was Super Ocho was the pace setter. Jackie's Warrior just not quite able to see things out. How were you? How surprised were you, Jonathan, that Jackie's Warrior was not able to do the business? Yeah, I was pretty surprised. I mean, I, I had I used the horse pretty heavy in a lot of stuff. I had a saver on Elite Power just because I thought that the circumstances were to to go. I thought Elite Power is the most likely to kind of pick it up after that. It was either, you know, or Kamari or, or she didn't run particularly well. But I will say this though, it, it makes me kind of sad, honestly. But Jackie's Warrior was 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 primed to be considered great, and I have to feel like he never accomplished greatness he was just a really good sprinter you know sean borman has been saying on these airwaves for three years and uh you know in the end i i think that the, the idea that you know he just didn't quite have that little extra gear late that separates the very good from the great only sounds fair any thoughts on this sprint before we move on to uh, to your race vanessa the mile yeah, let's move on to my race. Let's call it that. My race. Yeah, yeah. I like uh, that. You were, you were pretty confident about modern games in all in all the videos that we did. And I mean, the horse just uh, didn't didn't disappoint and didn't exactly have the smoothest uh, beginning to the race anyway. Was was this how you thought it would go down for modern games? Oh, well, obviously you hope the start will go a little bit better than it did, but in the end he he has the ability um, and what he needs to recover from those little mishaps that just weren't quite perfect in the early stages of the race. And he recovered into a perfectly okay position in pre pretty readily, really. And then by the time he sort of started to make it, once by the time they swung into the home straight, it was sort of a, a bit of a sense of inevitability about the outcome. Um, and look, he did it really well. I mean, he's back to back breeders. He's going home having won two breeders' cups now. You'd expect him to come back next year. And he's just a really admirable horse, really admirable for a three year old. You know, what he's done when you look back at um, where they pitched him in and how he's had to win races. Obviously, for me, the question mark coming in here was the fact that we'd only just seen him at the. Um, champions day at Ascot where he was beaten by Bayside Boy who would have you know was a huge price on the day that was kind of the big question mark coming in here and we spoke about it on the podcast that if he hadn't uh, on the preview show Peter if we if he hadn't run on Champions Day and been beaten by Bayside Boy he'd have been literally half the price that he went off in the end here at Keeneland um, but obviously it's all ifs buts why nots why what's the saying if if my Auntie had balls. <laughs> She'd be my uncle. Isn't that it? I thought you were going for, you know, yeah. if ifs and buts were candies and nuts, every day would be Christmas. But the, 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 the king and the queen one works too. It works well too. Um, I, I think the horse that I should be giving credit to, and again, a little nibble of humble pie, Kin Ross. I was very negative on Kin Ross, yet he's done brilliantly well to finish third in a race that you know he had that draw of 12 not ideal and the start didn't go well for him either you know just credit to him and his connections for how he's being campaigned he came here off the back of 
group one wins at different distances and then they threw him in here and I honestly thought he was going to finish much further towards the back than the front and he's done really well to finish third they've got loads of options with him going forward now and just a really admirable horse they're going to have a lot of fun with him next year in different countries again which is what they've done with him this year the market had your same reaction. I mean, this was a horse that with the bookies was favorite over modern games last week, modern gains and the tote ends up six to five Kinross nine to one modern games, two time breeders cup winner. And this time JK, you got to cash your ticket in the USA. There you go. I know. And here's the thing. So if we're going to play the if and buts game, I won't play it the same way that uh, Vanessa did. Um, I, Here's my thought is I'm a little frustrated. I wish modern games would not have run on champions day because I don't think the price would have been that different off of the, uh, the mile. I would have been a little bit shorter. Really? That's not that okay. much because people struggle. Cause the money it. came for him so much, you know, I mean, I thought it was going to be the difference between four to five and, and eight to five, kind of like what you were saying, Vanessa. But I think in the end, it, it might be, it might be six to five to four to five. It's a significant difference, but still, but, Hay to be made and more confidence in in USA horizontal wagers and contest plays. Yes, that's my thing. The and the way that you know my brain works, Pete, in terms of like what I wanted, why I wanted him to not have done that, so I would have had the confidence I would have had is mm-hmm. I would have ice cold singled him in picks, which would have given me so much more ability to leverage other opinions. But because of that, I don't want to call it a clunker, but a clunker to his standards uh, and what you thought he was going to be. I, I, you know, that I had to use horses like Ken Ross. I had to use a little bit of Ivar in case he wanted a huge price and Regal Glory in case she kind of found her old races and um, domestic spending and who, who, uh, who I've, I've heard is, 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 is still at uh, Rudin Riddle trying to get it all sorted out. So um, it, it's, that's my thought as to why if, if, if you would have skipped that race and there was never even there, I would have probably singled. We had a head-to-head in the Breeders' Cup distaff, and you won, JK, improving your record against me all time in head-to-heads to something on the order of 177 to 33. Um, but, boy, was this an exciting stretch drive, knowing what so many friends had on it. Blue Stripe, one of the talking horses of the week in the morning, along with Cave Rock. This one outran the odds significantly, though, gave Malathot everything she could handle. Clarier not too far back. This was just a hell of a horse race as far as I was concerned. How did it end up for you, JK, betting-wise? What did, what did you do here? What did you think of Malathon? Yeah, I mean, she ran well. I mean, they all – a lot of them ran really well, to be fair. Um, you know, this is just an example of the, that that lesson you take from this is, is although it didn't work out with Cave Rock in terms of the buzz horses, the buzz horses, the buzz horse, they usually run well in the Breeders' Cup because there's so many people that are there observing that know what they're looking at that if you hear it enough, it's probably true. Blue Stripe was that horse, and it would have helped a lot of people, I'm sure, that, that were listening like I was if she would have kept her nose down. Uh, but I was happy for Todd Pletcher, um, Johnny V, Malathot, and, and also uh, in the money's business manager, Drew Clinton. <laughs> yes, he's done if it's Blue Stripe. He'd have been okay with Clarier, but he's done if it's uh, if it's Blue Stripe getting the money. I just, Malathot's been, I mean, she's just been such a, a fun horse to watch in, in her career, except for that, except for that one time she beat Hidden Connection. But it, uh, it, it uh, has really been an absolute pleasure to, to watch her throughout her career. And I feel like just a very deserving Breeders' Cup champion. Pass the champagne, Pete. Pass the champagne. I just want to get you right there. Oh, I'm good. in the wrong year. Well, it's hard when black-type thoroughbreds have a runner in the Oaks every year. How am I supposed to keep <sighs> them straight? Um, <laughs> nice rally. Nice rally. <laughs> I try. 
Vanessa, I just to me, this was a very exciting horse race and something that no matter what your racing background is, you're going to probably appreciate that stretch run. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, things with these dirt races for me is I, you know, it's it's all a little bit new for me, as in, you know, obviously we've got enough on our plate trying to follow the turf action here in Europe and the turf action in America and then throw in the dirt races as well. And there was, again, it was sort of a case of looking at the form and coming into this with a clear head. I, there was so much, I think, again, I think we spoke about it on the previous show, coming over here, I mean, loads of people like, you excited to see Nest? You excited to see Nest? That to me. And I was thinking, oh, like, there's lots of other horses that I'm excited to see (laughs) over her, as well as her. I don't know, like, great. Um, But in terms of a racing spectacle, it was great to, it's a real, we were surrounded by people roaring for various different horses in this race. And it was a really exciting finish. It kind of really got the blood pumping. And Malathat seemed a very, very popular winner. Um, I, that, that was the view I got anyway, basically. That was my only takeaway from this. Super, super exciting stuff in the distaff. Now let's talk about the turf. I think there's a few interesting stories in this one. And I'll start this. I ask, I'll reverse the order people think I'm going to ask, and I'm going to start with Jonathan, though I haven't prepped him for this, and, and I don't know how much he's gone back and, and looked at the tape. But watching this one back, um, and I will admit, this idea was first put forth to me by Rob Dove, one of the top 10 pro punters in the UK today. The trip that Nation's Pride had, I'm not sure he wouldn't have gone very close or even won. I, I think the the reading that you know William Buick made the wrong choice here is probably premature because I think it was a toss up at anyway, a and, and B, I think you can make an argument that this race would have been very, very close. Is that, does that sound like crazy talk to you, JK? Or are you buying it? I mean, I think any of them could have won it won at some point, you know what I mean? Like any of the euros, at least Mishra looked like he was going to win for a, 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 a step. Hot I record. sure needed stone age. Um, no, I mean, look, I, I think that circumstances, these riders have to make these decisions. I think that you're better off paying attention to the decisions like a William Buick makes. doesn't mean he's going to be right because they're four-legged animals running around on a surface that may or may not be different than what they want or don't want. And there's trip and there's all these things. Then like hindsight can make you think, oh, we were so stupid for following William Buick. We should have just picked the horse we like best. I mean, I don't, I try not to let results get to me like that. Um, I, I tell you, I, I needed – my strongest opinion was – I don't know if I'll ever play this race using American horses again. I just like of all of the situations, this is not what we do best. There is the times where we'll have a, uh, a bricks and mortar where we're just better than them. Um, and they have kind of a, you know, they're sending over their B team cause their A team was focused on the arc or whatever. But I, this is just a good example of it. Rebels, romance, stone age, mischief, nation's pride, broom, all in the, in the, in the top six, Warlike Goddess ran better than I thought she would, but she still was never winning this race. And was hammered at the windows. I mean, at three to one, um, yeah, I mean, the value was probably playing her out of the exact and the try, and you, you would have got unlucky that she got there for the try. Really cool horse, not to say anything negative about her, but it's just a question of looking at the form and the figures you you, you expect some of these invaders. Would she, would she have won the Philly and Mare turf? Uh, let's, we can at least, we can, we can do a very simplistic answer and look at, at figures. I I think it's, no, I I don't think so. I don't think so. Just looking at like, you know, 124 in the end on, uh, on time form, but 
but she, it was sort of a weird race shape where it was like kind of fast and then slowed down. And then she was going faster at the end, which suggests to me, maybe, you know, she needed that mile. looking at her form, looking at her running line, she probably needed the mile and a half to show her best. So I think the idea that she was going to outkick um, Tuesday, I don't know, but what did, I know I just said it 12 seconds ago, but what did, what, what was the figure that, uh, 120, that 125 for Tuesday, 128 for an Italian. Um, and then she got a 124, like you mentioned. Yeah. So it's an interesting question anyway, Vanessa, I've kept you on the sidelines too long to talk about a race. I'm sure you have plenty to say about, um, start with my idea. Nation's pride better than this uh, raw result. Do you think? Maybe a bit better, but you know, if you ran it, it's not one of those races that if you ran time and time and time again, you'd be absolutely sure Nations Pride was going to win, you know, a considerable amount more. I think, you know, the thing, this whole James Doyle, William Buick, who's second string, who's first string, to be fair to Charlie Appleby, like he said, you know, before the race, I would be choosing Nations Pride. We've had a discussion. William Buick's happy with that decision. But, you know, William Buick, I think, knows full well that Rebels Romance had, um, you know, had, had a lot of ability coming here, travelled over really well. I think the difference between the two of them, as the betting suggested, was not that large. And James Doyle, yes, he gets on the second string in inverted commas, but quite often, they're, they're, you know, they're just guessing. As JK said, you know, they're four-legged animals. It doesn't always work that one knows he's first string and one knows he's second string. So it wasn't that big a surprise. We saw this sort of upset happen with, um, you know, in the 2000 Guineas earlier in the season with James being on the winner and William not. So that wasn't that much of a surprise. What was a surprise, I think, for lots of people is the ability Rebels Romance had to handle the track at Keeneland, given everything we spoke about beforehand. Was his German form transferable? He's a big horse. He's had galloping stretches before. The tight turns of Keeneland, would he appreciate that? And yes, he did. And, you know, once he got into the clear, he got into that galloping stride pretty quickly. And it was a, a very impressive performance, I think it's fair to say. Uh, the horse for me, again, going to the second place horse, Stone Age. Um, I think, you know, for him, he's just got this very funny profile of in between the months of May and November, he's gone from sort of the second coming over in Europe. Everyone talking about him after he won the Derby trial at Leopardstown. He goes off seven to two for the Derby, disappoints. Then he has two races over here where things at Saratoga and Belmont didn't go right for him. Watch those races back. You know, he didn't have a perfect time over here. So then all of a sudden he's brought back to Europe and it's like they use him as a pace setter goes off huge prices in the Irish Champion Stakes and the Champion Stakes over at Ascot. So then it meant that by the time you came to Keeneland, you were just wondering what sort of, I mean, you knew that there was an engine in there, but you didn't know if you were going to be able to see the best of it. Now that he's run that sort of race, I think next year, I really hope this horse takes a big pot at some stage. And I think it'll be over here in America. Um I think he was the big positive to come out of the race going yeah. forwards for your listeners to look forward to seeing next year. It's also really interesting looking again at sort of the pace graph on time form with, with stone age. He did his most of his running during that fast section of the race. So even though their algorithm doesn't upgrade this probably a little bit closer to rebels romance than the two and a quarter lengths suggest. Um, either of you have any other thoughts on this one or shall we, shall we move it along to uh, the main event? Let's move it along. I mean, Let's... well done for keeping this in under half an hour, by the way. <laughs> hey, when I say half an hour, I mean an hour. So, you know, we're doing well still. Yeah. Okay. Great. Great. <laughs> Your date can wait, Vanessa. He's just going to have to wait. 
He loves waiting outside on the doorstep, honestly. Make, make them wait. Isn't that right? Exactly. It's just, you know, it adds to the mystique. Stevie Nicks would be It proud. does mean that day two is going to be late tonight. But anyway, never mind. Never mind. We'll get over it. <laughs> joking speaking of second dates though vanessa so there's this guy i know and we had this awesome first date on the peloton where we got together and we were doing our ride and chatting about everything and you know it was really really productive and fun and and i've offered several times for him to take me up on on doing another ride together and he he won't say yes what what should i do just ask jk nicely okay just ask him nicely say please I keep I keep getting I keep getting kicked off the bike because um Jovanine is trying to get to a, a a milestone before we do a live ride in the city so I just keep having to have to get on the treadmill. That excuse actually makes me feel better. Okay, that's a, there that, you that, go. I'll accept I'll accept that one. Um, Breeders' Cup Classic was won by this horse called Flightline. We were expecting <laughs> him to put on a show, and a show we saw. I mean, Flightline, J.K. What do you, what did you think of this? Yeah, I mean, you know, I thought he was, I thought he was, uh, he was outstanding. Um, and I love the way the race was run. I thought that, you know, it, it, it was made for a more exciting edition of the race than what we saw when American Pharaoh was, was doing what he was doing at the same racetrack in the same race. Nothing to take it away from American Pharaoh. It, you know, it was what it was, but I just loved it, how they rode life is good. That was the best way to try to win that race and stuck it to him and, and, and flight line sat right there and, and, and basically took him when he wanted to. Um, we were spending most of our time, Pete, obviously, uh, like the eighth pole, quarter pole in a, in a chalet there. And I wanted to make sure that I felt the crowd. I, I, I wanted to hear it like we did when American Pharaoh won the triple crown and justify won the triple crown. And so we went over right after the turf and, and stood um, kind of in that like standing room only right behind the boxes. And, and uh, it was electric. I mean, it was, it was absolutely electric. It's where I lost my voice rooting for Taiba. Um, Taba, excuse me, not, not for me, but for someone else. Like I was just wanted Taba for the other person. And that's where my it's, voice. It's uh, well known that Sean Borman wins the, the BCBC at this point. If Taba is second, I presume that's what right. you're talking to. Right. And yeah. Speak, and, you, and you that's... two were pathetic, by the way, Saturday night in Ruby's listening to the two of you attempting to have a conversation and neither of you could speak. Oh, I know, was, that was oh, a poor was showing awful. from two, two people who were supposed to be broadcasters. Talk for yeah. a living and a couple of mutes. Yeah. I know I, I, I was, I was struggling like, and this is not a, this is just, this is just what Jeff Ruby is. I'm explaining it. Cause it's more relevant. If I just say a guy came by the table, I'm not name dropping, but Mike Smith just walked by and was like saying, you got nothing on I, Vanessa for name dropping, but that's a story. I know, for I know. but I had to get, I had to like get Jovanita to, tr- to translate for me. I literally could not speak across the table. Stop. <laughs> that's, that's very, very funny. Um, let, let's start with you, Vanessa. I mean, obviously coming, it's your first Breeders' Cup. All the headlines in advance, or so many of the headlines in advance, are centered around Flightline. Did he meet expectations? Oh, I mean, above and beyond. The whole trip did. But, I mean, for him and this performance, you know, he didn't, in my eyes, coming over here, for it to be a standout showing and to be able to say I was there, it didn't just need to be a win for Flightline. It needed to be a win in incredible fashion and that's what happened you know the way the race panned out as jk said in terms of flight line and life is good going at it the way they did and then when they stretched down the down on the far side of the track round the top turn 
you know, it was, I'll never forget it. Honestly, I won't. It was a real, it just played out perfectly for those there on track and watching on television to really appreciate it. Because you just kept thinking, they can't be going this quick and can he really do this from off this pace? And, you know, and then when life is good was clearly nothing left for him. And you just thought, oh God, it, it's like not even, you didn't even, didn't really even cross your mind. But of course you think what's, what's Flightline going to do now? And then, you know, he's never even touched with the whip. He's just pushed out hands and heels and he wins by what was it, eight lengths or whatever it was in the time that he did as well. And the commentary, the buzz around the place beforehand, that long build up, they come out onto the track, just like JK, I was in a really good position to enjoy it from where I was in the stands and, it was just the real I was there moment. I mean, I'm so glad I made the trip over this year above any other recent years because of Flightline. And it was a perfect race to showcase him to best effect. And honestly, I was stood there with a couple of English trainers around me at the time, uh, industry professionals from Europe. And, you know, you cross the line, the moment dies down. And it's like one of the trainers turned to me and she's just like, wow. Somebody else was just like, I mean, what the hell was that? And I was like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know. Like, I don't even know what the words are right now. It was a really special moment, really special race to watch. And watching, you know, Keeneland really plays to those there on track to really be able to enjoy a performance like that on the dirt track, I found, because just the way you, where you can view the race from, where the big screens are, and on top of that, a really um loud commentary and um system essentially just means that you know in terms of appreciating big races and big performances i've been on tracks in england and seen some terrific performance i've been there for frankles in the past and jumps racing as well but it's hard to really appreciate the actual race in the moment if you can't see and hear it whereas mm -hmm. there at keeneland you can witness it with your own eyes you don't you didn't need to look at a big screen you could see it with your own eyes and I think that's what actually made it even more sort of spine tingling for me. You guys are giving me serious envy that I stayed down in the chalet. I, I do that superstitious thing with the, when you're on a good TV, you don't leave the good TV. So I stayed, I mean, I saw him come by like through the glass or whatever, but I mostly watched on TV. I wish I was in the crowd with you guys. Coded red on time for him throughout. 144 was their rating. I think buyer came back, what, 121, Jonathan, something like that. Um, a couple of their very quick points, and then we're out of here. Incredible kudos to Pletcher, Winstar, the team, for the tactics they took with Life is Good to not just go in there and try to run for second and to take the race to flight line. I think that really helped set up this, what, what we got to see. And it also, like you said, Jonathan, if they were going to win, that was probably how they were going to win. Just take the race to them and hope for the best. I just, I loved seeing that. We don't see enough of that in, in the modern game. Do you agree with that idea? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we, we see a lot of passive situations uh, and, and I understand why those passive situations happen from time to time. You know, I'm not asking anyone to, 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 to do uh, betters any favors by how they're, you know, they choose to, to, to ride the horses that they own. I, you know, it's not my, it's not my place to say it, but um, you know, the one other thing I'll take from this flight line situation is I saw some conversations about, about go zapper and, 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 you know, is this the greatest horse you've ever seen and, and, and all of these things. And it's like, people just get so wrapped up in wanting to prove if someone else has an opinion that their opinion's wrong. I don't know. I mean, look, I don't really remember Go Zapper. I mean, I remember I was there when he won the classic. I can look back and see some of the numbers that he earned. But for the horses that I've seen, that I've seen run, 
Flightline's the best that I've seen run that I can remember. If they got in the gate together, do I think Gozabra could beat them? Sure, probably. Um, but I, I do think that, that Flightline's great. I think Gozapper's great. I think Secretariat's great. I think American Pharaoh is great. Zenyatta, Rachel, it, it just it, everyone has this need to be right. Let's just enjoy that he was a really damn good horse, and, and it's too bad we won't get to see him run next year. There'll be time for those kind of debates, and I don't think that time is now. We're going to wrap it here. We've gone twice as long as I said. I appreciate your guys' patience and fortitude and intelligence and uh, commentary. So uh, for JK, for Vanessa Ryle, I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos.